Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. Welcome to Girl on the Gov, the podcast, breaking down politics as we know it and removing all the bullshit. (laughs) Because politics needed a (laughs) rebrand. Okay, so like, I know it's like a new week, but like some things stay the same. We love a constant, you know, like a constant in your life. We do. For me, most of the time it's CBD. I mean, let's be real, like... When we're talking CBD, let me just clarify and just make sure everyone knows that I'm talking about Prima, which, mm, 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 chef's kiss. Like, where would I be without it? Like, lifesavers. We know I am one high, strong, (laughs) high maintenance. Check. Biatch. Like, literally, like. The tangents would be uncontrollable if it was not for some Prima, you know? Oh my God. Can you imagine? No, but like, seriously. So. Like we said, obsessed with CBD, obsessed with Prima. And the reason is because they have amazing doctor-formulated, clinically validated, high-performance products for, you guessed it, skin, body, and mind. So what does that mean? That means what I take every day, which is Prima's The Daily CBD Capsules. And they help to relieve daily stress or... You know, if maybe like daily stress isn't your thing, you're more of like a nighttime stressor, you're kind of like, uh, don't really want to go to sleep yet, a little stressed, whatever. There's also a nighttime version called Sleep Tight, and it'll let you get a restful night's sleep without waking up. Like there's no groggy situation, no like melatonin hangover, which I have definitely gotten before. So the products are amazing. I'm obsessed. Like I said before, I don't know where I'd be without it. That's my like routine, but like Maddie is like skincare queen. I mean, like, have you seen, have you seen this girl's skin? It just freaking glows. You could see it from space. Yes. The skincare is one of the loves of my life. I, like I said last week, I've started using it like two years ago. So I'm an OG and I stan Prima and especially their skincare and literally have not turned back since. So I've been using their products for two years straight, which is like honestly kind of crazy for me because I don't know about you, but like there are so many, you know, cute little skincare brands out there that are always like trending and want you to try. And I like have not gone away from the skincare, like the night oil. It's called Night Magic. It is incredible. You wake up with just like even toned skin, glowy soft all the all the things you look for and I just literally could not suggest it enough but the other thing I prioritize in my skincare is that they are clean they're climate positive they're responsibly sourced so I just I stand and you know every night with that night magic on my skin I really just go to bed looking like a glazed donut which is really what you want when you go to bed after that skincare routine okay so but you guys Good news, Prima is offering our listeners an exclusive limited time 15% off offer with the code GIRLGOV. So head to Prima.co and feel better and look better and look glowy every day. 
Well, welcome back to Girl on the Go of the Podcast. We're back for another episode. Happy Wednesday. And everyone needs to give Maddie a huge welcome to New York City. She is here. She is on the East Coast. The Big Apple. I mean, (laughs) you know what's really funny about, like, the Big Apple thing? Like, this is coming in, like, super hot, super naive. Like, no one, no one's, like... Apple specific here. Where is the origin of that come from? You know what? I am Googling this. According to the Google machine, the nickname the Big Apple originated in the 1920s in reference to prizes or big apples rewarded at the many racing courses in and around New York City. However, it wasn't officially adopted as the city's nickname until 1971 as a result of a successful ad campaign intended to attract tourists. Okay. Wow. You really learn something new every single day. And that's what we that's what we provide here at Girl on the Go of the podcast. You know, you're constantly learning. There's always a fun fact. But I'm here. Sam and I are oddly like down the street from each other and not recording <laughs> together. <laughs> but we will be in a few days. And what we'll also be doing is a little photo shoot, which definitely has my nerves kicked up. Maddie is taking shots. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like, is this my angle? Is this my angle? Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, Sam's thriving and I'm like nervously like drinking a bottle of Tito's in the corner, like so nervous, just hoping like the nerves go away. But no, it'll be Sponsor cute. Us. You know, I'll just... Hint, hint, nod, nod. I'll get through it. Did you say hinge? Oh no, I said hint, hint. Oh, I thought you said Hinge, and I was like, well, if Hinge wants to sponsor us as well, (laughs) because we couldn't be more of like the faces probably of that app. And honestly, honestly, I've gotten quite a few people to listen to our podcast via Hinge. I mean, I know they always ask. They're all very straight white Mm -hmm. men, but uh, welcome. Yeah, I feel like we're two tails of Hinge. Like you are able to meet up with men, go on dates, go on second dates, third dates. I've maybe gone on, like, I've been on Hinge for years now. Maybe been on, like, five dates. How does this happen? (laughs) I just don't meet up with people. I don't know why. I'm, like, I'm, I have a serious problem with dating. I just, like, I can't get myself to get out of my house and go meet up with a stranger that, like, could be weird and, like, could be just a nightmare. Murder. Totally. I don't know why. I'm just, like, I'm so complacent in my home (laughs) i mean okay here's some benefits to that you're not hung over after dates oh but i'm constantly hung over okay (laughs) (laughs) you don't Um, tell them you don't confuse their stories which just happened to me recently I, i want to get there so bad like i want a roster to have to manage and like I want the struggles that come with that I just don't know how to get there you know we we will figure this out yeah please let me know if anyone has tips tricks if you have political questions I've got you but like don't come to me with your dating questions because yeah we've got the politics but speaking of New York we'll also be taking some TikTok content yeah so if anyone has any ideas you're like oh my god I like Maddie's got the TikTok unlocked I'm like, I can't go on it or I am down a rabbit hole for 15 hours straight. It's so funny how now I literally go on TikTok and I'm like, I'm working because (laughs) (laughs) I'm literally looking through TikTok, like through the lens of Girl in the Gup. How can we make this trend politically related? And I'm like, I'm working. Honestly, that is the best pivot I've ever heard in my life. I mean, it's true. I love it. I absolutely love it. Well, 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 we have an interesting 
episode layout today. A little bit different, but super exciting because we have a candidate spotlight today interview. Plot twist! And this candidate in this race is, it will honestly probably be one of the most watched, I would assume, because... Because she is running against uh, Thou Who Shall Not Be Named, which in this case... We we have to, just for, you know, clarity's sake. But she is running against Marjorie Taylor Greene. Maybe we should do a little um, recap on Marge. You know what? I love that idea. If you haven't heard of her, I definitely can, like, honestly suggest doing a deep dive. It's pretty entertaining. She was just elected in 2020 and immediately made waves, like tsunamis, because of her just insane rhetoric around conspiracy theories, anti-Muslim, anti-Semitic. Let's talk about the main conspiracy theory that she not only spews, but she is devout to, which is QAnon. And this last election, we elected a QAnon member to our House of Representatives. So right there should be enough to say, Oh, God. But when she got into office, like, honestly, a lot of times when people are kind of, like, radical who get into office, they kind of, like, tone it down once they're there. Like, they have their, like, communications and PR people, like, be like, okay, like, let's not, you know, get too crazy here. She she did not take her foot off the gas by any means when it comes to the rhetoric, the conspiracy theories. So here are a few. Well, one of them that hits home for me, literally, was when she said that the wildfires in California were because of Jewish space lasers shooting down from space, causing wildfires in California. That is a thing she said. That is not a joke. She was not joking. That is actually a thing that was said (laughs) by one of our Congress members. Okay? There's number one. Oh, and then we can't forget about how she also claimed that mass shootings were false flag events. And just like a quote, honestly, like this connected to QAnon and like her beliefs. This is legit from her. There's a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to take this global cabal of Satan-worshipping pedophiles out, and I think we have the president to do it, and that's referring to President Trump. So playing into the whole QAnon theory that... There's these Satan-worshipping pedophiles that have this wild ring of God knows what trying to take over the the world and yada, yada, yada. Excuse me? Yeah, they believe that, you know, Hillary Clinton, President Obama, they all are part of this pedophilia ring and drink children's blood in order to basically stay youthful. That's like a fountain of youth. I honestly, if that were the case... They are not looking good. <laughs> then they need a fucking refund. Yeah, because what? Like, Obama aged double in office. <laughs> but, like, seriously. they He's still a snack. Yeah, he's not looking... I mean, he's still, like, don't get me wrong, he's a silver fox. But, like, he's definitely not, like, oh, like, fountain of youth. No, if anything, let's talk to, like, J-Lo, please. Oh, my God. J-Lo. So she is running against Marjorie Taylor Greene in 2022. And it's just exciting to talk to her because she also gives, like, insight into her district, which is, like, her community that she knows so well. She's raising her kids in. 
she, you know, is neighbors with, who she would be constituents with, which is really, like, the whole point of representation. And so she just really has the right priorities and just so vastly, vastly different from her opponent and just very much needs to to beat her. And so we can't wait to give her our candidate spotlight. We can't. And this candidate, this person that we're speaking of, is Holly McCormack. And she also like grew up in the district. She knows it like the back of her hand. And I think, you know, as Maddie was saying, like the insights that she gave to sort of the community and what they need and what they're getting, and what they're not getting, really interesting. And so this it's this whole, you know, interview and spotlight really gives light to what the community is actually focused on or should be, as opposed to sort of this media circus that has gone around that who should not be named. So I think this is the perfect opportunity to just, I don't know, I guess we we should just introduce her, you know, maybe like without further ado. Let's slide in. So we want to jump in, let everyone get to know you. You are running for Congress. You are literally ripping the Band-Aid off a very important, you know, district, if you will. And we are so excited to chat more. So can you just give us a little bit of like your elevator speech, what you're running for and why? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I am Holly McCormack and I'm running for Congress in Georgia 14. And it's actually, we have 12 really rural counties in Northwest Georgia. I've always loved to serve people and everything I do, but what inspired me to run and rip the bandaid off, like you said, was my kids. I really raised my kids to be kind and to have empathy and, you know, obviously a big discussion and having kids is bullying. And so I've, I've raised them to never, ever bully. And in fact, not just don't do it, but step in if they see a problem. And so what we're seeing is the exact opposite of that. And so I couldn't have my kids seeing this example set by a person in, uh, in a position of influence. So that's what led me to run. And of course, you know, there's a complete void of leadership in our district. It has been since the district was made in 2010. So that's what really pushed it. And, you know, January 6th, I've been kicking it around since last year. And well, since we found out she was running here when she parachuted in from another uh, city, not in the district. But I quit thinking on January 6th when I saw the insurrection happening, when we were all watching it live. This is not our country. Yeah. This is not how we act. So that's what really made me say, forget it. I've got to, I've got to do this. Yeah. You mentioned a she. Can we talk about who she is? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Marjorie Taylor Greene is who I am running against. So normally Northwest Georgia is not a place that is typically in the news every week. And she's keeping us in the news. So I think the people here would really love to not be represented or be in the news for some scandal or some yeah. hate rhetoric and, you know, offending all kinds of groups. Yeah, definitely. And I think it is really crazy how things evolve. But of course, one of the things that you touched on was this sort of bullying mentality, lack of leadership, some of the behavior that we're seeing from her. What are your kind of thoughts? What's like your reaction when you first sort of saw her actually get into office, 
some of the press conferences or, you know, lines of the press were coming out, you know, from what she was saying. What was your reaction? I guess we'd have to pick one of uh, <laughs> yeah. one of her, you know, episodes because it's episodes is a great way to put it. Yeah. I love I that. guess. Yeah. Right. Oh no, yeah. Well, I mean, for example, with the with her attack on the trans community, I I have people that I love dearly who are in the LGBT community, and to see her first off make such a display of hating another community that's different than she is, but then to attack someone's child, yep, you know, to use someone's child as like a political game or right. or, or a pawn, pawn I yeah. was livid as a mom. So it's not just against that community, but I, I think all moms should have been hot about that. Right. And it's just, you know, the principle of it. Back to the bullying conversation, like the amount we've allowed in our political space and the rhetoric we've allowed, it's just not okay, period. It's just full of hate. And I think that the principle of that alone is is enough. And I think we we've seen, you know, those comments from her, but others that have been just absolutely ludicrous. So was her win, would you say, an inspiration for you to run? And like what, also I want to kind of know your background too, of have you ever seen yourself running for office? Kind of what's the story there? It lit a fire under me when I saw someone like her win. And again, that's from complete lack of choices here to have a good option. You know, she hitched her wagon to Trump and didn't do much work in the in the district, really. She still hasn't. She was just a catalyst, I think. She got me thinking about it last year, you know? So of course, January 6th is again when I stopped thinking and talked to my husband and talked to my kids and said, listen, we've got to do this. It's the right thing to do, even if it's not the easy thing to do. So, you know, then we just got a plan in place, a lot of plans in place to make sure that the family is safe that the, you know, the extremists that she incites that I'm able to protect my family from that. Yeah, it's definitely a buckle up moment. Oh my gosh. Such high stakes. Yeah, just again, and it's honestly really honorable like that you are stepping up to do this. It's such an important Thank you. race. And it is so true. Like we are at this point where there are extremists out there. And if you you know, even just publicly comment on something, you know, there's death threats, rape threats, all of that stuff. And I'm sure, especially if you're going to run against somebody who they align with, there is a lot of danger there. And so that's definitely super honorable that you took that leap because we need it. So thank you. you. (laughs) And you said it, you said it right there and, and before as well, that if people don't speak out, then it's allowed to continue. You know, it has to be corrected. People have to stand up. And I mean, yes, here it it was, maybe I knew it wouldn't be a popular uh, decision, uh, but I'm, I really just wanted to get involved in the good work like Stacey Abrams has been doing. And we just elected Warnock and Ossoff, you know, this is huge. This is historic in Georgia. So we really just want to to bring that good work to jump in and help and bring it all the way up here to Northwest Georgia. So yeah, Georgia, it's a it's the place right now. My Seriously? my roommate is actually my roommate is moving to Georgia. She got promoted and is moving there. And I was like, register immediately, please. Yes. <laughs> like California voter to Georgia voter, like what a leap. 
so, oh gosh like you got you got some power girl so mm-hmm. definitely go register ASAP mm-hmm. but yes but speaking of registering to vote and what people vote on you of course are running on a campaign can you tell us a little bit about your campaign and what those focuses are within your platform mm-hmm. definitely well we are we just finished up the first leg of our listening tour and the the reason we did that is obviously i have very strong opinions and i live here is the first thing well yeah i didn't know she didn't live there i didn't know yeah totally yeah she was running in atlanta and you know figured out that would be a pretty tough race and so moved here you know or rented a place here i think anyway so but it's not just about me obviously it's not about me at all so we wanted to touch or get in touch with business owners here organizations here and so uh, we did that so that we can ask what issues are important to them to help us build a platform because they haven't had representation in so long so that went really well we're also you know the first bit of our of my platform is rural broadband so to make sure that everyone has access to high-speed internet and that it's affordable and i mean in this past year our entire lives have are completely dependent on having high-speed internet so my both my kids are doing school at home my business turned to completely in my home office and so it's it it affects every part of our lives you know business school our economy here you know i want people to be able to for northwest georgia to attract businesses and uh, for small business owners to be able to function here and thrive so that our kids don't have to move away to have a great career you know these these things really affect every aspect and for the future as well yeah can you tell us a little bit more about your district as far as you know what what is that like economy like there what are the businesses like there you know we do have a national audience so if people could take away you know some just key components of and characteristics of your district to better understand it like what would those be would you say yeah so we have a lot of factories and blue collar workers we are in small towns you know there's georgians take care of each other so it's actually the it's the opposite of what we're seeing from our representation is the people that I know and how they raise their families. We're more alike than we are different. So it's really spread out. It's very rural, like I said, and we've just really got the strong Southern values. Yeah. Well, we definitely want to move into our, I have a stupid question segment because (laughs) you did mention broadband. That's actually one of the questions we had for you. But like you said, it is so important right now. And I think what a lot of people don't realize is that there actually are people in this country who like don't have access to internet, high quality internet. And right now in the midst of this pandemic where everything's virtual, obviously that's crucial. So can you just highlight a little bit like what is broadband, especially when it comes to potential like policy that would address that? Like what, what does that look like in a political way? Like what does politics have to do with the internet? You know, <laughs> broadband is high speed internet access and it's obviously faster than dial up. So in really rural places, it might not be available. So that's what we want to make sure people have access to because dial up is something from a long time ago <laughs> and it is slow. 
you can get up and make a sandwich in the time it takes to uh, load a new page. Oh my god, yeah, that's actually <laughs> triggering me to my trial, my childhood. Like, right? some, I you kind of uh, actually forget about it. Like, I, I do like remember. I know. Yeah, I do remember just like being yes. like sitting there. The you just sit there and you're like, okay, I'll just wait a couple minutes. Like. I'll just wow. get up and go. Yeah. You know those like Or God little... forbid somebody pick up the phone line and then you're done. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, yes. Like it's I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> you know when like someone just oh, unlocks a memory for you and you're like, oh my God, mind blown. This is one of those moments, like, wow. Slow yeah. internet. Yeah. Uh-huh. Who would have thought? And but... <laughs> I mean, when you get into the larger we have, you know, one of the good sized city right above me is Chattanooga, Tennessee. And they have a fiber optic network and it's actually the fastest in the nation. And so what they saw when they invested in that infrastructure is that tech companies, startups and everything just flocked. And so it helped their economy, you know? So it really, it, it affects everything, like I said. And, and rural folks are way less likely to have broadband. So... We don't think of it if we have it here, but it's it's a big problem and it would help totally. our economy a lot yeah, to have access to sure. that. What is sort of like the reasoning for a lack of broadband in rural communities? Is there, like what's literally the disconnect? Uh, <laughs> nice. Very literally. Good. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Nice. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> nice one. You know, I think it, the lines aren't there. In Northwest Georgia, we've been overlooked for a long time. We've got, like I said, Chattanooga, Tennessee right above me. We've got Atlanta right below. And it's just everything in between kind of gets forgotten. forgotten. So, and that's like lack of investment, right? Lack right. Of Resources, yeah. the structures aren't there to provide it. So, and that's in pretty much every subject you can think of. <laughs> so it just, it costs a lot of money to build those structures. But of course, you know, having a lack of broadband is an issue. About 6% of Americans do not have access to it. What is the effect that you see in your district for having a lack of broadband? Like, what, is, what are those tangible impacts that you literally, you see? You know, like I said earlier, broadband is a huge indicator on how the area is doing economically. So just because we're rural doesn't mean that has to be that we're regressive, Right. So when I'm in Congress, I will bring rural areas into the 21st century by connecting them to the digital world. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's crazy what when you break it down, what that can do in this day and age. I mean, everything, again, especially because the pandemic has just sped this like transition up for everything to be online. If you're starting a business like marketing and social media, like everything is like digital and you know, there's a whole just new market there as well as like, well, I mean, you go to the doctor with, with visits. Yeah. Telehealth, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Telehealth. So even elderly people are now used to this, you know, I run my appointments on zoom. So I'm providing for my family just like this. So it, it really does affect everything. Yeah. I mean, again, it's just like such a crazy topic that a lot of people don't think twice about. But we always talk about, literally broken record on this show, to talk about 2020 pandemic silver linings and the way that, you know, it just was able to uplift and highlight issues that needed to be solved. And, you know, hopefully this is one of those that gets a solution. But... I mean, where are we as far as like your campaign? When is it? How are you guys doing? Like, how can we pay attention and keep track of how your campaign's going and different events and all that stuff? Like, what are some of the details about about your campaign that you're running in? 
Sure. Thank you for asking. You can go to hollyforcongress.org or hollyforcongress.com. Both will get you there. And that's going to have our Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and uh, all that jazz. Right now, we're in the listening phase. So like I said, we are speaking to business owners. We're seeing how their year has been, what issues are important to them. And uh, that way we can help build our platforms around what will actually help the uh, people of Georgia 14. And we have obviously our Act Blue is set up. There's links to that on all of the socials and on the website. We started early because of the void in leadership, but we have a lot of work to do. So it's not going to be, I know we can win, but it is going to take uh, all of us to pull together and do it together. So we are, we are going to be working and we're getting everybody else uh, on the team so they can sign up to, people can sign up to volunteer there. They can share us on Twitter and everything else that is really going to be a movement that brings that good change. Like I said, all the way up to Northwest Georgia. Yeah. Wait, how would you say that your district has responded to Marjorie Taylor Greene and like how she is in office now? Has there been maybe a little shift in how people feel about her? Or do you think it's kind of going to be an uphill battle of trying to kind of get some of these people on your side? I think that no one could have anticipated her level of hate and stunts. You know, I don't think anybody wants that from their representative. And I've been really excited to see, and it fills me with hope to see how many people are on board. You know, we're focusing hard on not having sides because I am just, I'm their neighbor. Yeah. I am Holly, the, you know, the band mom that they see at the football games, you know, and I'm just like they are. So I'm raising my kids here. I'm supporting my family. And if, if they see someone that they know that is actually interested in the issues that they're interested in and will fight for those issues, I think that's going to transcend party lines. So we can't really do a their side or my side thing because that's not how we, that's not how we get any good work done. And that's not how we win here. So I'm really staying out of that. That's how it should be. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. No, that's amazing. That's how it should be. And I like applaud you and commend you you for that. Like we need more of you. Um, So that's amazing. Well, I mean, honestly, when did we start? Like, I know by saying, are you a Democrat or Republican? Mm-hmm. How is that the yeah. <laughs> first identifier that we have for ourselves? Uh-huh. And so it's really just trying to change that um, mindset. And we're more alike than we are different. So really drawing a focus to that and staying out of the us versus them mentality, because it's not good for anybody. Good. Oh, well, I'm like so excited for this campaign. Me too. Like, thanks. Also, like, I kind of want to, like, come on this listening tour, like, low-key. I'm now, like, beyond curious. Thank you so much. Well, you guys definitely get involved. We'll we'll do this again. And, I mean, we're always updating where we're at, what we're doing. Like I said, it's going to take everybody. Yeah, we'll be keeping an eye on your campaign for sure. And we'd love to have you on, like, later on when we get closer to Election Day and all of that. So we're excited to see how it goes. Thank you for coming on. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Top stories. We've got some stories today. And 
to start with, we have an update on a story we've talked about a lot, you learned a lot about last week, but updates because last week we not only talked about immigration as an issue and broke it down with Layla, who is amazing, but we also talked about how it's in the news and basically the story we said last week and reported on was that the number of children held in border patrol facilities dropped 84% and that the Department of Health and Human Services, which is responsible for the care of migrant children, opened up a string of temporary shelters to accommodate minors. And so that allowed for an increasing number of children being transferred out of border facilities to spaces equipped like with more care. But this week, that story has kind of like shifted a little bit or just there's been more information brought out about it that people need to be aware of because... This week, the Biden administration is holding tens of thousands of asylum-seeking children in just an opaque network of some 200 facilities that the Associated Press actually has gotten, like, some information on. And it's basically spanning, like, two dozen states where all these shelters are. Five shelters have more than a 1,000 children packed inside and attorneys and advocates and like mental health experts say that while some of the some of the shelters are safe but others are endangering children's health and safety so definitely to keep our eye on this but basically part of the government's plan to manage thousands of children crossing the u.s mexico border involves about a dozen like unlicensed emergency facilities inside like military installations stadiums convention centers layla kind of talked about that last week how like in her hometown in san diego They've been doing that. So when they do that, though, like that skirts state regulations and that don't require as much like traditional legal oversight to make sure everything's like dandy in there. So a Southern Poverty Law Center attorney said that here we are back to a point almost where we started, where the government is using taxpayer money to build large holding facilities for children instead of using that money to find ways to more quickly reunite children with their sponsors. So Again, it's like this weird band-aid to this issue instead of like getting people the asylum that they're seeking. And just so it doesn't make any the, sense. It just really doesn't yeah, to me. It doesn't. So a few of the current practices are the same as those that President Joe Biden and others criticized under the Trump administration. So again, it's like kind of the same monster, different face. And they're not like vetting some caregivers with like the full FBI fingerprint background checks. So basically They moved all these kids from border patrol facilities, which everyone was mad about, rightly so, moved them to basically a bunch of hundreds of other centers that they created to put these children at. And basically, for the most part, they're still getting the same kind of unhealthy and unsafe treatment. And again, like like this person said, like, we're using all this money to just like build more holding facilities instead of getting them a pathway to connect with their family in the U.S. and really just help them get to safer places with their families. So it's so weird to me. And like, especially after our conversation with Layla, like we are preventing a safe route, like an actual route that makes sense for these kids. And also, you know, outside of that scope too, for, you know, adults and otherwise, but like in keeping with what we're talking about, specifically kids in this case, like why, in what case would like keeping these kids away from family members that are that could be sponsors in the US make any sense. Like to your point earlier, is that 
it's like the same shit show, it just has another face on it. It's just like, it's just like someone painted a little bandaid over it. It's like, no, like, and it goes to show that like, no matter what side of the aisle you're on, like there are still problems with every party and every politician and every, you know, sort of mechanism out there. Like everything needs to be improved and everything can always change. And I think like, this is a great example of like something that like, yes, I'll give it the fact that it does take time to implement successful and effective change, but like, this is like, this is the same beast, like, just, it's lipstick on a pig, it's lipstick on a pig. But I guess we should leave that there, there's, there's some other stories. There's, honestly, this one's like a little more feel good. I feel, I do feel good about this. Do you feel good I, saying this story? I do, although, okay, if I could get the $60 back as a refund from what I'm about to explain, that would be great, so great. I don't know if there's like a cash back element to this, but... Regardless, I do love this. <laughs> so Biden has announced that Uber and Lyft rides will be free if you are going to get your vaccine. So he's been highlighting this new program, aka ride sharing program, to, which will provide free rides to and from vaccination sites. As unfortunately, the pace of shots nationally has started to decline, which is bananas to me because literally months ago it was like oh my god are you gonna be able to get a shot when will you get get a shot oh my god getting mine i was about to drive two hours each way to go get mine right so again it's bananas but they are looking to meet a july 4th vaccination goal which he set last week so obviously everyone likes getting you know to their new year's resolutions to their goals little check mark whatever so he is on it he is on it and The White House also said that Biden will announce new funding through the Federal Emergency Management Agency for community outreach efforts to encourage Americans to get vaccinated, as well as a new initiative to host federally supported vaccination sites at community colleges. I think it's overall a good thing. I think as many ways that we can incentivize people to get vaccinated, like why, why not? We're happy. We're happy. We're happy about this. And... Then we got to switch to something we're not happy about. Ah, Mitch McConnell. So Mitch McConnell is leading a classic GOP attack on the Democrats' voting rights bill. I mean, are we surprised? Not at all. No, no. Like, I would be more surprised if I opened a Starburst pack and they were all red. But I digress. So what's the deal here? Republicans have basically launched an all-out assault on H.R. 1, which is that voting rights bill, which, if you recall or you want to do a little like TBT, go check out our episode with Natalia Ramos. We walk through it all. So you get the background of like what it is, what it's about, what the point is, and also like why you are likely to be in favor of it. But basically the sweeping voting rights legislation is what's at play here. And it's forcing, or they're trying to force Democrats to take politically awkward votes, spotlighting increasingly charged national debate over access to ballots. I mean, this is, whole thing's bananas. So Let's get some background here. House Resolution HR1 and its companion, which is SS1 in the Senate, have been in the works for several years. As passed by the House in March, the legislation would create automatic voter registration nationwide, require states to offer 15 days of early voting, require more disclosure from political donors, yes please, restrict partisan gerrymandering of congressional districts, among other changes. So overall, we can- We stand. We stand. We absolutely stand. It would, you know, it would compel states to offer no excuse absentee voting as well. The Democrats say the changes are even more important now as the Republican-controlled states like Georgia, Flowrider, I mean Florida, sorry, <laughs> Arizona, Texas. I was going to try and make Texas fun there, but I can't. No, I can't do a Texas accent. No one challenged me. 
Anyways, they imposed new voting restrictions after false accusations of widespread voter fraud came about after the 2020 election. Republicans argue that the new state rules are needed to clamp down on mail ballots and other methods that became popular during the pandemic. But critics warn that states are seeking to reduce voter access. I mean, warn, it's just the reality, particularly for black voters or voters of color and are ushering in a new phase and a new time of Jim Crow era, essentially laws, mentalities, and vibes for the 21st century. So major Jim Crow vibes. Like, like literally, like, gives me the chills on all the levels. Republicans will offer scores, scores being many, of amendments to highlight aspects of the bill they believe are unpopular, including the creation of a public financing system for political campaigns. I mean, New York City already has one. We can talk about that another time. An overhaul of the federal agency that polices elections and dozens of provisions that would dictate how states conduct their elections. As always, we'll keep everyone updated on that. I'm sure it will be a story we need to follow. But next story is a nice little touch of good news because we like to kind of mix it up here. Because the U.S. restores transgender health protections denied by Trump during his administration. So the federal government will protect gay and transgender people against sex discrimination in health care. The Biden administration declared on Monday. So reversing a Trump-era policy that narrowed rights at the intersection of changing social values and sensitive medical decisions. So it marks the latest step by President Joe Biden to advance the rights of gay and transgender people across society from military service to housing to employment opportunities. So kind of back on track here, thank God, because it was definitely very scary during the Trump administration, some of these just extremely discriminatory policies that he was putting forth. So And two, now we have all these states. There's over 30 pieces of intro- of legislation that have been introduced across states. I mean, Arkansas has been like one that's, of course, top of mind that have been really attacking, discriminating against trans youth. So this is like kind of that push-pull we see sometimes where states go in one direction and the federal government reacts or vice versa, you know. And I think we're seeing especially the timing on this. I mean, the timing was never a bad time for this situation to be restored, but we're seeing an urgency here. And I'm curious to see what else they roll out to support this. And I know the ERA is a part of this as well. Yeah, totally. Before our last story, we have kind of some like drama because this is, I love this story. The kids are fighting. The Republicans are fighting because House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy set a Wednesday vote for removing Representative Liz Cheney from her Republican leadership post in the chamber, saying it was clear that he and his GOP colleagues need to make a change. Why? Well, (laughs) Cheney, who is a representative from Wyoming, seems all but certain to be tossed from her number three House GOP job after repeatedly challenging former President Donald Trump's false um, assertions, pinning his November re-election defeat on widespread voter fraud. So, She's also criticized him in his role for inciting his supporters' attack on the Capitol on January 6th as, you know, the electoral votes were being formally certified and she was among just 10 Republicans to support the House vote to impeach him the following week. So McCarthy has signaled his desire to remove Cheney for several weeks. 
His Monday note, which mentioned neither her nor Trump by name, seemed designed to provide whatever cover wavering GOP lawmakers might need to toss Cheney from her position. And Cheney critics have argued that whatever her personal beliefs, a leader should not stray from the party line. Oh my god, girl. What type of cult shit is that? Literally, girl. They say her combat with Trump was complicating Republican efforts to concentrate on next year's elections when they hope to win House control. So we see where your priorities are, okay, GOP? We do. You're not trying to get anything done. You're trying to rile up a base so that you can be in power again. It's fine. We get it. We see you. We see right through you. But Representative Cheney is the daughter of former Vice President Dick Cheney, which is also just like... All this is so funny that it's like, I remember a time in my life, and especially my parents' life, when Dick Cheney was like literally the devil. Like, he's like literally the devil. Mm -hmm. And now, like, his daughter, who still holds like a lot of those pretty firm, like, conservative and Republican ideals, like, is now being ousted by the party. Because she's not crazy enough. Because she's not conservative enough. It's like so wild. So it's a lot of tea, it's a lot of drama. But that's our top stories for this week. You guys, we are launching a brand ambassador program. We are finalizing details in these coming weeks, but we do have a form to sign up to, you know, sort of be first in line to get the information when we do have it available for launch again, coming soon. So check that link in the episode bio in either of our Instagram bios as well. Fill out that lovely little Google form. Let us know, you know, why you know, you're interested in being part of the program, what you'd want to see from it and all of those like fun details. And of course, if you have any questions, honestly, anything, anything under the sun about it, just hit us up on the DMs or send us an email. We are happy to answer those and we look forward to giving you guys the full details in the coming weeks. Yes, it's all, it's all coming together, you guys. But that's it for this week. We will see y'all next week. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, review. Like Sam said, DM us with your questions, but literally about everything and anything except, like, again, don't ask me about dating. But (laughs) we will be talking to you all next Wednesday. Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.